All right, if you will remain standing for the reading and then we'll be seated for the song. Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches. But let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight. May God bless the reading of his word. All right. This may be one of the times that I'm talking about now. I want to ask you a question. When do you feel really alive? What are those moments? You know they, how they come along, that there are certain things that you do, certain moments in your life when your senses are, are just so keen and everything seems to be so good. Uh, time seems to stand still and yet in another way it seems to pass so quickly. You're just really glad to be alive and you feel alive. I was thinking about that this week and was trying to write down a few of the thing, times that, that that's true for me. And uh, one was uh, not long ago, Pat and I got to spend the night out in our place in the country and went out and it was a, just a crystal clear night. And we stood there and looked up at the stars. And even though we live in a rather small town of San Angelo, not a huge, huge city, we still have enough light in town that when you look up at night, you see some stars, but not a lot of stars. But out in the country where there's no lights around, it's just amazing. And we stood there and looked at the Milky Way stretching from one horizon to the other and just marveling and just felt so alive and grateful to be alive. Uh, Michael and I, and I know some others of you, really find that, those moments when we're out running. Uh, love to get up on a cool morning and get out and run before the sun comes up and have my favorite music blasting in my ears, and it just feels good. It's good to be alive. Had another moment yesterday like that. We were in Georgetown with our f whole family, all three of our sons, their wives, and the grandchildren. We were there for soccer games, and we had about an hour in between two of the games, so we went and sat down in a recreation center, and we're just sitting there visiting. And in a minute, my little granddaughter, who's not quite two yet, came over and grabbed my hand and pulled on me. So I got up, and she led me to the door, and we went outside and down a little path to a swing set that she had found. And then when we got to the swing, she went like this, you know. So I picked her up and put her in the swings, one of those little seat swings, you know, that hold the babies in. And we, we just sat there and I pushed her on the swing and she went back and forth and we giggled and we laughed until her old mean dad showed up and said it was time to go. But that was one of those moments, you know, just it felt good to be alive. And uh, those moments are precious to us. Now, another question, refining that a little bit more. Out of all these moments that come along in which you just feel really alive, what is the one thing that makes you feel most alive? And you think, what is it at the very top of your list? This is the thing that makes me most feel alive. 
Well, the reason we're talking about this is because the Bible talks about this. The Bible even has a word for this feeling. It's found in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. Especially if you look at the Greek Old Testament, it's the same word. I can tell it to you. It won't, it's kalkama. Kalkama. And, and the, the Bible just throws that in there all the time about kalkama. About that time when life is so good. Now, it's such a rich word that our English Bibles, as people try to, to bring the, the meaning of the, the ancient languages into a language we can read, those translators really struggle to find a word to capture that. And so in different contexts, they use a lot of different words. Let me share a few of them with you. One is the word praise. That there is times that, 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 those, that feeling of everything being so good is our praise. In Deuteronomy chapter uh, 20, or chapter 10, verses 20 and 21, it talks about the praise of our lives being our God, that He is the praise of our life. And other times, at other times, they translate it joy and even shout for joy. As uh, Jake mentioned when we read that Psalm 32, a beautiful psalm talking about how good it feels to know that we have been forgiven by God, that when we lay our sins out there before Him and our failures and our frustrations, that He pours His mercy out upon us. And the very last word in that psalm is kalkama. And we say, shout for joy. That's just how good that feels. Glory is another word that's used to bring this, that when things are going so well and you know, that this is our glory. I, I found one verse that this is just kind of a little bit of a rabbit to chase, but uh, as I was looking at all the places in the Bible, and there are literally hundreds of them in which this word is used, I found one in Proverbs chapter 17. Grandchildren are the crown of the aged. Amen. Where's Ed Houston? He's not here this week. I know I'd have gotten an amen out of him on that. And listen to this, guys. The kalkama, the glory of children, is their parents. Whoa. <laughs> Have to stop and think about that a little bit. So joy, happiness, help, glory, expectation, exultation. All those words are used to describe this top-of-the-mountain, high experience where everything is good. And there's another word that's used to capture that. It's a word that we find in the text that we read in Jeremiah. That word is boast. What is your calcuma? What is the high point? What is your Passion is a word that we've used in church a lot over the last few years. What is it that just makes everything fit together and feel so good? Well, in Jeremiah, that word is translated, what is your boast? Now, when we say the word boast, it's got kind of a negative connotation, and it can. We, we think of someone boasting as bragging. But in the Bible, so many times the word boast really means getting to that heart of the matter. What is your heart? What is your passion? What is it that really drives you? What is it that makes life worthwhile for you? And that, you could say, is your boast. 
That is the high point that makes everything else good. Well, let's go back to our text and see what it is that Jeremiah is talking about here. When he asks the question, what is it that makes you feel most alive? What is your boast? What is your calcama? He says, Thus says the Lord, Do not let the wise, the intelligent, the educated, the ones that love intellectual pursuits, do not let those people find their boast in their wisdom. Don't make that the ultimate of your life. Don't let that be what drives everything else. Do not let the strong, the people with good bodies, the people who have attractive physical appearances, don't let that be your boast. Don't let that drive your life. And those of you who are wealthy, which, by the way, is every person in this room. Now, when we compare ourselves with some other people in America and other places of the world, we say, well, I'm not wealthy. But let's compare ourselves to the whole world. And yes, you are. Do not let the wealthy, those who have a lot of things, those who have money in the bank, those who have retirement accounts, those who have all these things, don't let that be your life. Don't let that drive you to do what you do. Don't let that be the source of, of what makes things feel good for you. But he says, if you have a boast, and I hope you do, let it be this. Let your boast be that you understand and know the Lord. That your relationship with God is what makes things good for you. That when you experience that time with Him, then the world seems right. Things seem doable. You can make it. It's good. You can shout for joy. You find your glory that you know the Lord and you understand that He loves steadfast love, justice, and righteousness on the earth for that is His delight. So now I ask myself the question, is that my calcama? Is that really where I find my reason to live? Is that where I find a reason to get up in the morning because I'm looking forward to having another day to enjoy that relationship with God? And when I lie down at night, has it been a good day? No matter what else went on and problems that I ran into and the struggles and the toils of life, it was a good day still because I shared it with the Lord. Because it is that relationship that drives me. Let me ask you that question. Is that true for you? 
Is your relationship with God kind of just a side light that maybe you think about on Sunday mornings and occasionally have a little guilt pain that, well, I haven't talked to God lately, I need to? Or is it your calcuma, your passion, the thing that makes everything else that happens to you in life bearable, good? Now, I know one person in the Bible that I know for a fact that his relationship with God, knowing the Lord, was his passion. And that it was a part of everything else he did. Now, the reason I know this is because he kept saying calcuma. (laughs) He says it more than 60 times in the New Testament. I'm talking about the Apostle Paul. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but sometimes if your Bible is translating that primarily boast, just get your concordance and look up boast and find out how many times the Apostle Paul uses that word. And we can kind of read right over it, but 60 times. Two times he directly quotes this passage in Jeremiah. Therefore, I know that this passage in Jeremiah was, number one, one of his favorite passages of all. And I also know that it was a passage that really got down deep into his heart because bits and pieces of it keep popping up all through his writing. This is something that motivated and drove him, and he wanted other people to share in this same joy and passion for knowing the Lord. I want to look at two of those before we close today. One of them is in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. This is one of the ones where he actually quotes the passage, although he summarizes a lot of it, which is really cool. Because when you get to know a passage so well that it can begin to fit into whatever else is going on in your life, then you know that passage. It has become a part of your life. Listen to the way Paul uses this Jeremiah passage as he's talking to his friends in the church in Corinth. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. Consider your own call. Think about yourself, about when you became Christians, okay? Think about those moments when you gave your life to Christ. Not many of you were wise by human standards. I wonder where he got that idea about wisdom. Not many of you were strong. Hmm, sounds a little like Jeremiah, doesn't it? And not many of you were of noble birth or the upper echelon of society or the wealthy. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. And God chose what is low and despised in the world, things that are not, to reduce to nothing things that are. And what he's saying is the things that so many people invest their lives in, God ignored those. And he's come a totally different way in order to show us what life really is and where it is that we are to find our motivation, our love, our passion. He goes on to say this, so that no one might boast of those things when they come into the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus. He has become your wisdom. He has become your righteousness, your sanctification, and your redemption. In order that, just as it is written, 
Let anyone who has a passion, anyone who loves life, anyone who has a boast, find that boast in the Lord. What a marvelous passage. And it just peels open the heart of Paul. Let this drive your life. Let this not just be a passing thing and a part of your life. Let it undergird you and let it make life worth living for you. Now, another way that I know that Paul really let this passage get into his heart is because he applies it even to other times in his life that aren't so easy. The Apostle Paul had a lot of struggles. The Apostle Paul spent many a night in jail. And if you read in 2 Corinthians where he lists some of the things that happened to him about the times he was beaten, all the times he was rejected, he was stoned, all these terrible things happened to him. What was it that made those things bearable? Let's begin reading in chapter 5 of Romans, verse 1. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God. Every one of us who believes in Jesus Christ and has put our lives into him in faith, things are good between us and God. Now, that in and of itself, we could talk a long time about and the value of that. But let's let Paul keep talking. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of sharing the glory of God. What is it that keeps us going? What is it that makes this a good day? Because we have the hope that we will share in the glory of God. Not the, the, the wishful thinking type hope, but the expectation. We're just waiting for it. We know it's going to happen. We are going to share in eternity with the glory of God. And therefore, that becomes our motivation. That becomes our energy. That becomes our boast. But notice he keeps on going. And not only that, but we also boast, we also find meaning, we also find glory, even in the times we are suffering. Now, that takes a different turn, doesn't it? Even when things in life are not like we would choose them to be. Even when things have happened that we never dreamed would happen, we never wanted to happen, even when those sufferings come our way, if we have peace with God, if we have a relationship with Him, He will go through those times with us. He will give us the strength to make it through those times. And He will even bring meaning to those times. Look what he says. We also boast in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope is what's going to drive us through life. And hope never disappoints us because God's love is being poured into our lives through the Holy Spirit which has been given to us. He's still not through using the word boast if we jump down to verse 10, talking about Jesus Christ. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more surely having been reconciled, we will be saved through, by his life. But more than that, 
We even boast in God through Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have received reconciliation. What makes you feel most alive? What gives you meaning in life? What gives you the strength to keep on going? There's a lot of things that we can use to answer that question. And in a way, we all have a lot of things that are good things that do that. But is your ultimate boast, is your ultimate passion, able to make it through every experience in life, both good and bad, to take you and lead you and guide you through that? And will it last for eternity? The only boast that will make it through this life and into the next is the boast of our relationship with God. John, I don't think, ever used that word. But in quoting Jesus in John chapter 17, Jesus, as he was praying to God about his disciples before that he left them the next day and was crucified, he said, I pray this, that these people come to know that eternal life is knowing God and knowing His Son, Jesus Christ. This is what gives us meaning and power and joy and glory. May it truly be what takes you through today and tomorrow and the next. And if you are trying to invest your life in anything else, I pray that you'll reconsider and realize that while those things may make it through a few days or weeks or even through a few years, whether it be your wisdom, your strength, and you young folks, your bodies feel so good right now. But anybody else want to give up and give testimony that they ain't going to last forever? <laughs> or even your IRA, it's not going to make it into eternity. The only thing that will make it that far and beyond is the strength you find in the Lord. Let us boast of that relationship. If that relationship is not good right now, if you want to reconnect with God, He has sent the great connector, Jesus Christ, to this world. And He pours out His Spirit into our hearts. And we'll help you to find that connection. We're going to stand, we're going to sing a song, we're going to have some of the leaders of this church around the sides of this room. They're standing there for you. If you see one and you realize that you're kind of running on empty and that God has not been the source of your life, go to that one. Let them pray with you, let them help, and let them guide. Let's stand and sing together.